So let me tell you, as we get started about my friend Julie, a little bit of her story. We've been friends for 25 years now, and uh, before we even started Gateway, and Julie been involved in her church for many, many years, and uh, has made it a priority to follow Christ ever since I've known her for 25 years. I know that that has been important to her, and in 2020, she went through an unexpected and very difficult divorce. Right in the middle of every, all the craziness, COVID happening, churches not gathering together. And so this is happening while she's not actively with uh, her biblical community. And then she has to make a decision. What am I going to do once it's time to start coming back to church again? And you can imagine maybe some of those struggles of all these friends that both of them, she and her ex-husband had had together and now when she comes back the questions are going to be where is he and she's trying to navigate how do I work through this and I know that community is important but I'm not sure what to do uh, all that happened in 2020 now I'm going to tell you more of her story but not yet you got to hold on we're going to come back to that in a little bit but it ties in very nicely with the passage of scripture that we're going to be in today Acts chapter 2 we're going to get into verses 42 through 47 in a moment but let me give you a little bit of just a, a reminder catch us up to speed a little background here of what's going on last week we were in the beginning of Acts chapter 2 and we saw that the Holy Spirit came the disciples had been waiting they had been praying together staying together praying together the Holy Spirit comes they speak in tongues in these foreign languages they don't understand and communicate the gospel and uh, people were gathered from all over the world. Uh, it says that Peter stood up and sp spoke to them. And we don't know specifically how they understood. Was this a continuation somehow of God's miraculous communication? So that when Peter spoke, they understood him miraculously? Or more likely, what I think probably happened, is he probably spoke a common language, either Greek or Hebrew, maybe one that they would have understood. But one thing that we do know is that the Holy Spirit was using what Peter was saying, and people were understanding it, and, and he, was, he was really convicting the hearts of those who were listening. Because it says that they asked him a question, what should we do? So they hear the gospel message. They say, what should we do? What is our response? Uh, in fact, it says in verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? So there's this deep conviction. And the result of that is Peter responds and says uh, that his, his response to them, Peter replied in verse 38, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so he, he tells them, repent and be baptized. Baptism was a way to identify themselves as followers of Christ. So especially in that day, for a person to be baptized into the name of Jesus was very clearly a way of saying, I'm shifting from being here to becoming a part of uh, this group of followers of Jesus. And so it's not the baptism that saved them. It was their faith in Christ. But baptism was and still is an important way for us to publicly identify as followers of Christ. So they do that. It says that 3,000 people are added to their number that day. Now, can you imagine that? There's a group, and we know from Acts 1.15 that the group numbered 120. So just try to picture this. You've got 120 followers of Christ. They, through this 
miraculous intervention of God and the Holy Spirit coming and speaking in tongues and people understanding the message and being drawn in, now all of a sudden 3,000 are added to their number. So you go from 120 to 3,120. The question is, what are you going to do with all those new believers? Now keep in mind that they had come from all over the world, and this was part of God's plan as we talked about last week, was to take the message to the ends of the earth, and he did that in part through the believers who lived in other areas of the world, hearing the gospel, and then they would take it with them as they went back. Uh, So not all of them are staying in Jerusalem, but from the context, we could see that a number of them were. And I'll just pick a random number. I think it was probably more than this, but let's say that only one-third of those 3,000 we're still living in Jerusalem. Even at that, you've got a thousand new people. So how are you going to incorporate and disciple a thousand new people? There is no structure, right? There's no model for this. I mean, they are creating the model. The church is just now starting to happen. And so what are they going to do? Let's read Acts 2, 42 through 47. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So we see from this passage, it's very clear that their strategy was let's gather together and let's spend as much time together as we can. Uh, Let's fellowship together. Let's pray together. Let's study the the apostles' teaching, which would be our equivalent of Scripture today. Let's do all these things together. Now, as you probably know, we're starting off 2022 with an emphasis called Better Together. And we're talking about how important it is for us in the body of Christ to be together. And I want you to understand this isn't just some idea that we dreamed up. This comes directly out of Scripture. It's thoroughly biblical. In fact, one of our five priorities as a church is that we apply the Bible to real life. And so this is an effort to do that, is we're saying, okay, we see in Scripture, especially in the early church, that they were better together, that they placed a high priority on being together and growing together in their faith. Therefore, it makes sense for us, doesn't it, to say that we should still follow that pattern today. And so our goal today is going to be to to look at this passage and to try to understand what was going on at that time and say, okay, how does that apply to us today? The specifics might look a little different. We're probably not going to be living together and together every single day, but what are the principles that we can take from this passage so that we can be better together? And I look at this and I have to tell you that if we were to get some some of the early believers or even just people from this part of the world at that time, and really for that matter, really even still today, I think it would be laughable to them that I am making such a strong case for why it's important to be together. You know? I mean, I, I, and I feel like I need to do that. I feel like we have all these hurdles and obstacles to overcome, and I've got to say, this is why it matters. This is why it's so important for us to spend time together. I think if they were to hear that, they'd be like, it, it would be foreign to them to think that there's any other option other than being together, because that's just how they did life. There was a practical Um, element to that. I mean, they needed to stick together as new believers because they were going to be ostracized in a lot of different ways. So there were social implications, there were financial implications, there were all kinds of reasons 
practically speaking, that they needed to band together and stick together. And you still see that in other parts of the world, especially more of an Eastern mindset is more of a communal type of a mindset. But here in the West, we have been conditioned by, I mean, our heroes are the ones that went out on their own, right, and blazed trails and made things happen and survived with just them and maybe their family or whatever. It's a very individualistic type of a, of a background that we have here in the West. And so sometimes we have to fight against that. We need to be reminded. And there's a lot of good that comes from that, by the way. There's a lot of good that comes from that rugged, determined t- type of mindset. But the danger is we can slip into the belief that, you know, we can handle it on our own, that we really don't need anyone else. We can make things happen. Well, as I look at this passage uh, of Scripture here, one of the things that, that stands out to me most is a word in verse 42, and it's the word devoted. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. And I did a little, little more digging into that word um, that, that is used there. That Greek word that is translated here as devoted means to persevere in something or to give constant attention to it. It's the same word that's used in Acts 1.14 when it says they devoted themselves to prayer. It's the same word that's used again in verse 46 when it talks about their gathering together every day in the temple course that they were devoted to that. So here's the first takeaway from me of what we can apply to ourselves today that we see them doing back then and that is that we must fully commit ourselves to being together church family this is something we need to be devoted to this is a priority this is not a hey if it's convenient maybe we'll do it but this is this is something that we devote ourselves to making it happen you know the thought that that we can handle it on our own and here's the truth we pretty much, in our culture, we could survive on our own to a certain degree. That's actually really not totally true. Most of us probably couldn't you know, build our own shelter and have no running water or electricity and grow our own crops and you know, make our own clothes. And all. We're probably not going to do that. We're more dependent on others than we think. But relationally speaking, it's possible for us to cocoon ourselves relationally and still survive. I mean... You know, we can order. You don't even have to leave the house anymore. You can order anything you want, have it delivered to your home nowadays. So that's an option. We can survive that way, but I'm going to tell you, you, we definitely can't thrive like that. We were designed and created by God to, to be in community with one another. And so it's important. And right now we find ourselves uh, having to kind of weigh the risks associated with that uh, we you know encourage people to be together we encourage still worshiping together and those kinds of things but guys we're not totally we're not oblivious to what's going on around us right we understand uh, that there is still a lot of illness out there there's a lot of need still to be cautious and and frankly there is some risk associated with being where you are in church today, those of you that are here in person or being, whether, there is some level of risk associated with that. But we look at that and we say, yeah, but the flip side of that is, but what is the risk associated with isolating ourselves as well? There's no coincidence that suicide rates have skyrocketed, that drug abuse and things like that, alcoholism, have skyrocketed. 
over the last couple of years as a result of us being isolated. So yes, there are some risks associated. And by the way, I'm all for being smart about that and, 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 and doing what you can to protect yourself physically, okay? But at the same time, understanding that if we completely isolate ourselves, in some cases that might be necessary, and I realize that. And if you're sick, please, isolate yourself. But sometimes that becomes you know, an excuse for us to do and just pull ourselves back. Uh, there, there are risks associated with that too. There are spiritual health issues. There are emotional health issues that come uh, when we isolate ourselves. And so we have to, to, to weigh those things. But I look at this and I say, okay, they were devoted to being together. It was a priority for them to be together. And so with that in mind, I want to invite you to do a little exercise with me that might be somewhat uncomfortable. And that is, let's just do an honest evaluation of how we're doing with those things that we can do together that help us grow together. And I'll take as an example the four things that we ask all of our Gateway members to do. Okay, there are four things. It's worship, grow, serve, and impact. We say that we, we want you to come together to worship corporately. We want to we worship together. Pray together, sing together, study the word together, those kind of corporate worship. We say that we want to grow together in biblical community. So finding some type of small group where we can plug in to develop real close relationships and do our spiritual growth together with others in biblical community. That's the grow. Then we say we want all of us to serve in some type of a ministry team so that we're using our gifts, we're serving together to build up the body of Christ. And then the last thing we talk about is impact. And one of the things that we can do to make sure our impact expands is through our financial gifts to the kingdom. And so as we give financially, it allows us to impact others around us in addition to the things that we're doing. So four areas. Now the reason that I, that I say this can be uncomfortable is because when we evaluate these four things, I'm going to tell you, it's really easy for us to come up with reasons why we're not doing them. Reasons why we don't come to worship. You know, it, 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 it's cold outside. Today's really cold outside. Weather's bad, or, you know, I was out late last night, or maybe it's just more convenient to stay home and to watch online. Um, you know, lots of reasons that we can think of. Uh, reasons why we don't get involved in biblical community. My schedule's too full. Uh, you know, I, I'm afraid that I'm going to be put on the spot. Um, I, I'm just not sure there's a group that is for me. That's just not my thing. Think about reasons we come up with for not serving. I don't think I have anything to offer. I'm just not ready to commit to anything regularly yet. And think about reasons we come up with for why we don't give to, to expand our impact. I mean, things like, you know, well, someday I'll give more. When my finances aren't so tight or uh, you know the church is doing fine they don't need me or they're just about my money they don't care about me you get the idea right there's so many different reasons we can come up with for why we don't do some of the simple things that we're called to do um, but these are the things that help us grow these are the things that we can do together and if you find yourself in a place where you're not doing one or possibly even all of those four things. First of all, if you're honest enough to admit it, I want to say thank you for that. 
Thank you for being honest enough to admit it. Um, but I love you enough to tell you this, that God's desire for you is for you to grow, not just to be comfortable all the time. See, it's not about just doing what's easy or what's most comfortable. If we're going to grow in our faith, and that's part of, of, of what God put us together for so that we can urge each other on, then we're going to have to be devoted to some things and make them a priority in order for us to grow. And so for those of you that, that are a part of our, our, our Gateway family, maybe you've made that commitment to membership, I would just specifically ask you, are you doing those four things? And if not, let me challenge you to, to take that seriously and to say, yeah, I'm going to commit to that. Now, if you're not yet a part of the Gateway family, I hope I'm not scaring you off. But at the same time, I want you to understand, we, we do set, have a, a uh, I think, a reasonably high, uh, it's reasonable, uh, high expectation for our church family. Now, we're filled with grace. You'll figure that out as you're around here. We're, we're not legalists in any respect. But we do believe in the importance of, of spurring one another on, of challenging one another in our faith. And so I um, just want to encourage you to do that. And I know it's not unreasonable to have these kinds of expectations because I see it in the Scripture. And not only do we see it in the Scripture, we see it in other parts of the world. And I don't know about you, but it, it, you know, it kind of, just the right way to say it, it, it doesn't sit well with me when I see what believers in other parts of the world are going through compared to, to us here. And I, I give you an example of that. One of them that comes to mind for me is the, uh, the church in China, which much of that is underground and having to meet uh, privately. The choice to go to church in China means that you could end up being arrested as a result. And knowing that, they still refuse to stay home. We, on the other hand, often insist on staying home because we're a little tired or because it's too cold outside and I just look at those things I think man we're, we're missing something there there needs to be another level of, of of being devoted to being together as important as that is so that's where it starts verse 42 they're devoted to being together but just being together isn't enough as I read on in this passage and I see what it looked like here's the second thing I want to point out to you is that that we need to move beyond surface-level relationships. We're not about just kind of having surface-level stuff, conversations, how was the game yesterday, you know, what did you do this weekend? I mean, that's all good. That's important to have those kinds of things. I'm thankful that we're able to have those kinds of conversations in passing. I'm thankful that we have an environment that encourages that and that people are friendly. I want that. I'm, I'm thankful for our first impressions team that, you know, are always there to say hello and greet and just kind of a quick uh, encouraging word. That's important, but it's definitely not enough. So we need to go far beyond that. We need to go past the surface level types of things. And practically speaking, we're not going to be together 24-7 like they were, nor do I think that's necessary in order for us to have biblical community it's not really practical in our world that we live in but I can say this we're definitely not going to experience true biblical community if we're only together for an hour in church once a week it's not going to happen there we need an environment 
where we're able to get to know each other better and do some of the things it talks about here. You know, studying together, reading, uh, praying together, fellowshipping, breaking bread, those kinds of things. All those things are important. And so, um, again, I said a moment ago, I want to make this as practical as we possibly can. And so, let me encourage you to take advantages, take advantage of the opportunities that are out there to develop biblical community. I mean, our primary avenue is through uh, what we call our connect groups. It meet Sunday mornings during the week, lots of different times. But that gives an opportunity to be with a small group of people where you can really get to know one another. And if you aren't there yet, let me encourage you just to, 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 to figure out what are some options. In fact, next Sunday is what we call our Connect Sunday. So there'll be more emphasis on how do you get plugged into a group if you're not already. Uh, but then there are other opportunities too. There are things like women's Bible study that kicks up this week, men's Bible study the following week. Um, there are ongoing ministries, some of them year-round type ministries like Regeneration that you can plug into at any time. There are ministries like Re-Engage that focus on developing a really strong marriage. Uh, that starts actually this week, this Tuesday. And so if that's something you're interested in, you jump on that pretty quick. But here's, here's the common denominator in all of them. Is that all of them are designed to take us beyond surface level relationships. And that's what I love about these ministries is that there is a high value placed on transparency and really getting to know one another and being able to be really honest and open with one another. We need that. We need to be real with one another and to be open with one another uh, and, and to be authentic. Let me just tell you this. Um, the, the, the quickest way to squelch biblical community is for somebody to come into a group with all the answers. You know, that doesn't ever struggle and just can instruct everybody else about, let me tell you, you know, what you're doing wrong. That will squash biblical community faster than anything else. So the goal isn't to come into a community so that you can let everybody see how much you know and how wonderful you are. But the goal is for us to come in and to be open with one another. And, and to really get to know one another, to be humble with one another, but to really get to know each other. That's what I see happening here. I mean, yes, they did have those that were leading them through the process, but, but the, the, they, were, they were willing to, to really share life together. So let's talk about what happens. We'll, we'll close, close with this. What happens when we really do move past surface-level relationships? And this is the third thing. I just want to point out the fact that biblical community leads to life-changing ministry. And look at the stuff that's happened in verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. I mean, we're, we're talking about real life-changing kind of stuff that's going on here. I mean, first of all, it says that they were all filled with awe at the signs that were being performed, the wonders that were being performed by the apostles. It appears at this particular moment in time that the apostles were the primary ones that God was working through to perform just miraculous kinds of things. You go into the very next chapter right after this, in chapter 3 of Acts, it talks about Peter healing a, a person who was lame and unable to walk. And then you get into chapter 5, and it says that the, the word has spread so much about the power of God working through Peter and the others that they would take the sick and they would place them out on the street in hopes that Peter's shadow might fall on them as, as he walked by. So there was that level of God just really doing 
powerful things through the apostles. But it says that all of them were in awe of that. So you get this, this picture that they're all in this together. A few of them are the ones that, that are the primary ones God is working through to do these things. But they all celebrate it because they're all in community together. And they're excited together and they're growing together. And then you, you get into what we just read about verse 44. They had everything in common. Verse 45 says they sold property and gave the money to one another. Now let me ask you a question. What in the world would motivate somebody to sell their, their property, to give up of their own possessions, and to give some of that to people they really don't even know that well? I mean, how does that happen? And the answer is because they were truly experiencing biblical community together. There was a bond that they had in Christ because they were truly growing together in this, this tight-knit community. And so the natural thing, and, and, and when I read this, I don't get the impression that this was an arm-twisting kind of a, you know, they went to somebody and said, we really need you to do this. But you get the feeling that people are saying, hey, somebody's in need. I can help meet that need. Let me sell this over here and provide for that. And they, they loved each other. They worked together as a family would work together. And so that's life change that happens on both ends, by the way. Because it's life-changing to be the giver, and it's life-changing to be the receiver, both. You see, those that were part of this community, they did benefit from the relationships that they'd established. Now, I don't think that's why they did it. I don't think people went into this saying, hey, I'm going to join this group so that I can get something from it. And we still don't do that. We don't go into it saying, hey, this is a selfish, motivated kind of a thing. But it is a great byproduct that as we build community with one another, as we truly get to know each other, we do receive blessings from that. And guys, I can tell you many, many stories where I've seen this type of thing happen within community where there was a need that rose and others stepped in to meet that need. I mean, that kind of stuff happens all the time. But not only does it benefit those who are part of the community, I want you to notice something else that I find very, very interesting. In verse 47, as it's wrapping up, this is kind of the, the summary of, of what was happening. It talks about, I'm praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. Okay, so this is, this is the benefit of the community, being, being in this together. They're praising God. They're enjoying uh, the favor of all the people. And the next phrase says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Not only did their commitment to one another in the body of Christ benefit one another but it actually drew people in that didn't know Christ and people were being added to their number in part I believe as a result of what they saw happening in the lives of these people that were so committed to one another see there is an element of us truly loving each other in the body of Christ as we should that is attractive to those that are not yet in the body of Christ. Can I just tell you what, what, what I long for, what I yearn to see happening, is that the body of Christ would be functioning together in the way we're, we're, we're supposed to function, so much so that the world would look at us and say, I don't know what they have over there, but I want what they've got. I want to be a part of that. that it, it ought to draw people in when they see the body functioning the way it's supposed to function. 
And so, yes, it benefits the individual, it benefits the believer to be in biblical community, but it also benefits the unbeliever because it gives a picture of what the gospel is all about. Loving one another, caring for one another, selflessness. And it's an opportunity for us to communicate the good news that Christ died for all of us. That Jesus loves all of us. He wants every single one of us to be part of his family. That's why he gave his life for us. Now let me tell you the rest of the story about my friend Julie. Here she was in a difficult situation knowing that biblical community is important. And I I know her well enough to know everything that we've talked about today, she would have said the same thing and agreed with. And understood the importance for her personally to be involved in biblical community and the impact that God could make through her as she did that. She, she knew those things, but she was in a difficult spot. What do you do in the situation she was in? Well, let me tell you what happened. In May of last year, she had some friends that were looking for a church closer to home. And she, you know, I said, we've known her for 25 years. Um, and she said, why don't you guys go to Gateway? She said, in fact, I'll, I'll go with you. I'll just go visit with you. And came along with them, completely motivated by having them come visit, and then she would go back to her church that she'd been a part of for so long. And after that first visit, she calls us and she said, can I ask you all to pray with me about something? She said, I came just totally for my friends. I have no intention of changing churches, but I think God might want me here. And would you pray with me about this? And she did exactly the right thing. She asked us to pray about it. She went to her pastor at the time and said, would you pray with me about this? And we just pray that God, you know, directs me in this path. Um, Well, fast forward a little bit. God did lead her to be a part of this church. And since then, she's gotten involved in a women's Bible study. She's recently gotten involved in a connect group. We went to lunch just a couple weeks ago. And she said, I just want you to know the difference it's made in my life to develop relationships here at Gateway. And she said, I think I found my people. And I love that story. And I, I love what God did in her life. And I think that's a picture of what he wants to do with all of us. It's a picture of how important it is for every single one of us, whatever our situation is, whether you're going through a difficult time or not, we need that biblical community. And it matters when we get plugged in with other people. It matters to us. It matters in the body of Christ. And It presents a great example to those outside the body of the kind of love and acceptance that they can have as well. So my encouragement to you is to make sure that you're plugging in and truly diving into those relationships that establish the kind of community that we're seeing in Acts chapter 2. Let's pray together. Father, I do ask today that you would help us to be devoted to one another as we see in Scripture. First and foremost to you, but, but Lord, then also devoted to each other within the body. And Lord, open the right doors, remove the obstacles that keep that from happening. And uh, Lord, we pray that you would just guide us clearly and lead us in this process. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.